Hey everyone and welcome back. We are so glad to be with you. So take a seat, grab a Bible, maybe your favorite beverage or coffee drink and get ready as we journey through God's word. We're here with Dustin. Say hi. Hello everybody. Wow. Jeremy over there. I think you got that. Uh, where'd you get that uh, shirt at? Me? Thrifties. Yeah. <laughs> the Goodwill, I'm sure, for sure, Goodwill. Collector's item. <laughs> wow, yeah, at the good Goodwill. We got Pastor Jeff here, too. Am I the only pastor on staff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you could be a pastor and wear a Patriot jersey. <laughs> This disqualified. That's a disqualified action right there, bro. Yeah. What does it say on the back? Goat. Can you show us? Yeah, greatest of all time. Oh, okay. you know? oh it actually says loser on the back. <laughs> if you guys wow. don't know, Dustin loves Tom Brady, thinks he's the greatest quarterback of all time. A lot of us are um, football fans, and so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty weird not having anything online, but it's a great chance to learn about um, God's word. Last week, uh, Jeremy led us through chapter 11. We talked about Israel's rejection, but ultimate salvation. And if you missed it, you can find it on our page. But this week, we're going to be talking about a few a few things. We're going to talk about worship, about our service or gifts um, to God. We're going to take a, a greater look at transformation and Look, dive deep into our passage, but I want to start us off with the cue of the day. Our staff just took the Myers-Briggs personality test, and it was very, very interesting. We found out that Jeff actually has two personalities. We didn't know you could split, do that. Personalities. Hey, when you're gifted, God has gifted you immensely. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and then we found out a couple guys didn't have a personality. <laughs> yeah, some people didn't get a result at all, no personality. But what was the fun part is it told us, or we looked at, what Star Wars character did, did you end up being? And do you agree with that, um, that result? Let's start with Jeremy. Oh, with me? Um, all right, so I uh, scored ESFP. And uh, apparently that means that I am, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. It should have been here the whole time. Uh, I scored as an Ewok right here. Pretty good right there, I think. I see uh, the resemblance. Yeah. Usually when I have a beard, it's more <laughs> uh, outgoing, friendly, fun-loving, likely to be the center of attention in social situations, love new experiences, and live for the moment. I adapt apparently readily to new people and environments. I can get bored easily. Um, that's about it. I, I'd say that's pretty close. You know, I'll take it. Yeah. I don't know. No. I wonder if Ewoks like cereal as much as you do. Probably. Yeah. He's holding a spoon right there, isn't he? <laughs> uh, it's like a spear that's going oh, Okay. Oh, He's spearing oh, you in the dome. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Dustin? Um, so Just I've heard of Star Wars first of all. Yeah, I've heard of the Star Wars thing before. I am an ISFJ, which means I'm an introvert, which I'm happy in quarantine. Uh, <laughs> I'm known as the protector, but in Star Wars land, I'm C3PO. Yeah, the and I believe he's one. a robot, so I'll just do I don't have a background. Right? See those dance moves, come on. Yeah, but he's a 
Traditional, loyal, quiet, and kind. So you're he's welcome. Super annoying. I think he's like the worst character in Star Wars. You're welcome. I think he's like the most famous. Everyone's I guess I'm a nerdy robot. That's it. That'd be a great costume for you next uh yeah. next time. And finally, how about you, Jeff? I am an ENF. P. Now, it's got some really funny titles to it, so I'm not going to say that online because I have to protect the kids and in the innocent people. But uh, lover of people, just say it that way. Uh, uh, charismatic, imaginative, kind of think on my own pace. And really, my, my character is Kegon uh, Jin, and he's the champion. So I don't know about you guys. It's not a little we is a robot or a wicket. It's really a champion. That's the one that I got. So pretty good stuff. Yeah, he was a Jedi Knight. So he was a great character. Lead Jedi Knight. Yeah, Powerful. lead Jedi Knight. Hmm. Yeah, he wasn't some lame Padawan. He was a, a Jedi Master. So. <laughs> that's and it. also, he also was a character in Taken, too. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the two-personality part. You got two personalities, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who, Liam Neeson is pretty... We actually did have someone on staff uh, as Darth Vader, so that was pretty... Uh, I won't tell you who that is. Maybe you can guess in the comment section. Yeah, put it in your comment section, who on staff is Darth Vader. It's Ooh. not on this panel, that's a hint. Yeah, guess one. Which one is Darth Vader? Um, for me, I'm an INTP. I score differently. Usually I'm an INFP, but it said I would be Yoda. I don't know what I have in common with a swamp rat creature. <laughs> But maybe I'm more like Baby Yoda. I like ba Baby Yoda. It's pretty cool. Skilled but, you are. Yeah. Wow. I guess I talk like that. This is, also the only like reason, that. this is the only reason Barnett wanted to do this one. To <laughs> show off that he was uh, Yoda. Gandalf in the ring. I do, I do see that. I, I would, with everything going on in the Star Wars universe, I'd probably want to not have anything to do with either side and just want to live in some remote swamp somewhere and just mess around with my force powers. That'd wow. be it. So, but anyways, before we get too <laughs> off track of the Star Wars universe, let's go back to the Bible universe. And we're going to be in Romans 12 verses one through eight. And let's have Jeremy start us off with that. All right. So here we'll pull it up. Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verses one, right? Or verse one to start. It begins. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And now this is really when Paul gets into the meat of, of everything right here. I and mean, this is like a super common area of Romans where we love to, to just sit and dwell because it's so uh, applicable to our lives. This whole idea that, that what are we supposed to do? We're to give our bodies to God as living uh, sacrifices, as, as, as this is service to God through, through worship. And that our service to God is giving him worship and praise. Yeah. yeah, Paul does talk about uh, this is truly the way to worship him. I know that today, a lot of times we get these images or things that come to mind when we think of worship. It's kind of just this one thing. But what do you guys think when you hear the word worship? What are like the first things that come to your mind? What do you think, Jeff? I was thinking, uh, 
you know, I, my picture, I hate to say this because it's kind of weird, but the, just David dancing, uh, he's got a limited clothes on, he's dancing, he's in this moment of, uh, of celebrating and he's finding joy. And, you know, I've heard it, I, I mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, Jeremy kind of mentioned sometimes on the stage worshiping, don't worry about anybody else. And there's this moment where David's not worried about anyone else. He's out there dancing naked or with limited clothes on, but he's celebrating the Lord. And the truth is, when we're worshiping God, others shouldn't be involved in our worship. And too often today they are. So that's the the image that first came to my mind, which is kind of weird, but cool. Yeah, explains a lot. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me when I think about worship, I have this picture where I have God right in front of me at every moment that I'm doing. So my focus is solely on him and whatever I'm doing. I'm facing God. I'm serving because of God. I get to sing and praise to God. So everything else is out of focus. God's the only thing in focus. And it just gives me that chance to have that not only alone time, but that time where I'm able to just listen, praise him. He's the only focus in my life and everything else is just kind of white noise compared to the most important thing that needs to always be in the forefront. Yeah, I know for me, when I think of worship, it tends to be musical in nature, right? Like it, and I, not just the music part, it's like this whole production side. You know, you have like the lights, you have the fog machines, you have even now like the, the trendy worship leaders that are like really well-dressed, you know, they have like these outfits on and it's just interesting. It's like, I feel like there's a whole style now in contemporary worship where it's like everyone is kind of trying to copy themselves or copy each other. And it's all, it seems kind of similar, even musically. And so not that I'm uh, against it. I love worship, but I've just kind of noticed it's like where it's, uh, it's kind of, yeah, tending to be more commercialized in, in a sense. Yeah, I think that um, uh, in the similar thought is that we have limited worship to uh, a portion of the service that we have on Sundays or on Wednesdays or whenever churches gather together, that it's the music part or the singing part, that that's what constitutes worship. But worship is is what you do every day. Worship is life. And that's what we're supposed to do, like not just give 30 minutes or four songs or whatever as, as a living and holy sacrifice, but our entire lives, our entire bodies. And I know that in the Old Testament, I love the Old Testament. All these other people like hate the Old Testament. I don't understand these guys on the panel. Where is that, by the way? Yeah, it's, it's the bigger part of the Bible. Actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there's, this, there's this passage in the very beginning of Isaiah where God is just frustrated with the people because they've turned worship into something that is obviously not worshiping God. And this is what it says in chapter one, God, God just goes on a tirade, a rant against his people. Um, but he, he continues and says, I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. So just like, imagine here you are, you're raising your hands and praising God. And he's like, I hate everything that you're doing. I hate all your show because that's what it is right now. It's a, it's just a, a facade. It's so fake. Uh, he says, I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. So life is different than the way of worship. The way of worship does not equal the way of life and the way of life does not equal the way of worship. 
wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. And and then I, I guess I just got to keep going. He, God, God says to them, like, come now, let's settle this together. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will might make them white as wool. Now that that like defies all logic and understanding. That does not make sense. But God is willing to work. With you. See, I'm just going off on the Old Testament. Like you guys are just going to let me. This is awesome. <laughs> but I think that it's so important to understand with worship that it's what we do every day every minute of our lives is not just limited to a few songs, lights, smoke, and, and a show. And the truth is the apostle Paul really exemplifies this because his life, he's writing, and I believe as he's writing this, he's drawing from his own pain and suffering and his own trials and how he's tried to worship God. I mean, this is coming from his heart that God has spoke. And he's like, dear brothers and sisters, he has given his body as a sacrifice so that it's pleasing and holy. So, I, I mean, if, if I knew where the Old Testament was, I'd probably read that section Jeremy was talking about. But the point is, is Paul is really showing us what worship looks like from his heart. It's everything. Yeah, he gave everything, you know, and he and he. And he truly separated himself from kind of this world. And that's what we get into this next, this part, right? He talks about not copying the behavior and customs in the world. Let me just uh, pull that up and read that in, in verse 2. Here we go. It says, um, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Let God transform you. That's the key part. Let God transform you into a new person. And this is how he does it. By changing the way you think, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's such a, a short verse, but it's so powerful. And I didn't really catch it, but it, it talks about letting God transform you, not, you know, trying to transform ourselves. It's so, you know, we can get into the zealous or this uh, frenzy of trying to change or transform ourselves. That's, we can't do it by ourselves. We have to let God do that um, to us. He has to be the one that is the, like a surgeon, right, with the, the scalpel, and we're the one on the operating table, and he's the one that is cutting away the cancer, the sin from our lives. But also the way that he does it is he does it by the, the way that we, that we think. And this is not just um, by giving us just knowledge. It's, it's helping us to, um, it's in all aspects of life. And finally, it goes on to say, and then you will learn to know God's will for you. It's, it's like this three-step process is letting him transform us, letting him change the way that we think, and then, then we could know his will for us. Sometimes we want to know his will without that transformation. But really, I think what's interesting about uh, transformation is you really don't hear a lot about it. I didn't really hear a lot about it um, early on as a Christian in fact, we hear um, this buzzword going around. We hear this word discipleship. Everybody's talking about discipleship, right? And we want to be disciples of God. You know, we don't want to be just a fan of Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus. And, and that's a good thing, right? We all want to be better followers. But, but for me, it's like, well, how do we be, how does transformation happen, right? Like we, we know how to become believers, right? You say a prayer, you go to church, you maybe you take a 
discipleship class or, or join a, a small group or a community group like we have, but how does transformation happen? You know, I used to think that transformation would happen if I just were to buy a, a study Bible, right? I bought this big old ESV study Bible. I'm like, man, I'm going to study this. I'm going to study the commentaries. I'm going to be transformed this way. It helped, but I still noticed that there was things in my life that needed um, transformation. I even went to Bible school. I did that, and I started noticing, hey, there's still areas in my life that, you know, even though I'm great getting this great wisdom and knowledge, that there's still areas I, I need to work on. And then for a while, I thought about, well, you know, I just need to have a spiritual experience, right? If I just get zapped by the Holy Spirit or God waves his magic wand, then I'll just become a different person. It kind of goes back to the Old Testament when you read Saul, the Spirit of God comes upon Saul, and it says he was changing a different person. So I thought, oh, well, maybe that's, you know, it's not all these other things. It's, it's that. Well, I realized that it's much more of a holistic process than what we thought. There's way more that goes into it. And I kind of want to go over these. Um, I don't want to dive too deep into these things, but I was just reading about how um, like all the different parts of us that can be transformed. Uh, number one is biological systems, right? We, we People are coming to church today. They have habits, they have compulsions, they have dependencies. You know, there's a lot of people that struggle with alcohol, drugs, prescription pills, pornography, video game or media addiction. It's really this any chemical or substance or behavior to create a mind-altering or mood-elevating response. So not only are, are people coming in that are spiritually bankrupt, they have all these issues and problems, and it's a biological thing, right? Like they're literally physically, you can be physically addicted to any or all of these things. And it's quite uh, interesting because I think sometimes the church doesn't know how to handle that. Like, what do we do? We just throw them in a 12-step group, or do we have a side group here? Or how do you handle someone that really has some of those issues? What about relational networks, right? Like, if you think of relational networks, um, I remember becoming a Christian, and it was so difficult because all my I, I had no one else that was Christian around me. And, and so I was, like, in a sense, still picking up um, – yeah, still picking up on those things from my friends, and I didn't really have that support system. What about family systems, right? We have family systems or our, uh, our immediate family and how uh, I knew a guy who became a Christian. He was a new believer. I won't say his name, but his family were giving him tons and tons of ridicule and making fun of him, and he ended up kind of walking away from the faith because of the fam his family system wasn't uh, transformed. We have things like cultural issues. You know, our, today our society is so pleasure-focused. Um, what was a sin decades ago is now openly accepted and encouraged. So we have this, like, whole culture. Our culture needs transformation. Even our jobs, like, I know many people that have job dysfunction and stress. Uh, my brother, for instance, um, he was fired by his boss, who was an atheist, and didn't agree with his lifestyle. And so what I'm trying to say with all these things is that all these things need transformation. Our, our society needs transformation, right? We are um, family needs transformation. Our relational networks need transformation. Even our body, right? Like, like struggling with an addiction, our body needs transformation. Our workplace needs transformation. All these things contribute and are like this web that 
um, contribute to our transformation. And I believe that God wants to, to touch all of those things. And so I don't want to like overly kind of complicate that, but I just think that as a church, we need to be aware of some of these things because it's not as simple as just taking the discipleship class or, or, um, you know, joining, I think community groups are a great place because you can really dive into some of these issues. You can dive in some of those things, but you know, yeah, Jesus wants to redeem, change and renovate every aspect of that person. And kind of my question for you guys is how can the church do better, not just making believers, but helping people renovate their lives? I was thinking about it while you were uh, um, discussing all these uh, unbelievable points that need to be transformed. It was just like worship. Too often we think transformation is just digging in and reading the Bible, like you said. I just get a study Bible, read, 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 and pray a little bit, read, and give some money, and I'm going to be transformed. And the truth is, just like worship, and Jeremy was talking about, it's, it's this life. I've got to look at every aspect of my life and give it to the Lord and seek transformation who I am in Christ, who my job is is in Christ, who my family is in Christ, and really just kind of go through that whole process to be transformed and not be so generic. And it's just about reading God's word too often today. It's just discipleship is reading God's word or going through a, 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 a discipleship class. All of that is fantastic, but there's so much more to it. Yeah. For me, seeing that, people affect people. So if I'd say, if I'm just barking orders at someone, you need to completely transform. I think a better solution is living life with them. And that's, that's my answer to this question. The, when you live life and walk directly with somebody, when your family surrounds another family of a new believer walking together, and you're able to say, this is what happens in real life. And this is what's worked for me. This is how I failed. This is how I pulled through this is something I studied that really worked for me, might work for you, might not, but here's some extra things that could help. And you're able to see someone else go through ups and downs in life. Uh, the church is not meant to just give this blueprint of how to become a transformed believer. Uh, like Jeff was just saying, when you hand everything over to him and then you, you let God start to work in your life, but then you're bringing these people alongside you that could really lift you up in those times when you're about to fall back into a situation that would have been the previous you, but not the you looking forward that God wants. So I think the more that we live life as members of a church and beyond uh, is the way that you see true transformation happen. It's, it's happened in my life. I've seen it happen in other people's lives. So when you're able to go through ups and downs together and really invest in the people, uh, let people know you're there for them, that's where you start to see the change in other people. You guys are brilliant. Uh, it's amazing to to share the panel with you uh, and your great minds. Yeah, uh, especially yeah. I know. You know my personality trait says I'm a champion. So champion. Uh, uh, everyone wins in 2020, though. So, <laughs> but I think that uh, it just takes consistency and honesty, authenticity. A lot of T's words right here. Consistency, honesty transparency and did i say authenticity no all those things just being real i think is the important part and as leaders as the church we just need to be real like and i think that we try to to just be real like hey man i don't have it all together we don't we screw up all 
the time. I mean, if you tuned in on Sunday during worship, uh, you saw uh, just how how good uh, and raw uh, my relationship with my lovely wife is. And, you, you know, you just get to, to be real and honest about life. And I think that's how we are transformed. It's okay to be not okay. You don't always have to put on a face. You don't have to uh, pretend like you've got it all together because we sure don't. Uh, I'll say that for each person on this panel, that we don't have it together. And that's okay because that's the process of transformation. So. You know, one thing going into ministry, I never realized how messy it would be, right? You think uh, ministry would be something that was so uh, spotless, but our lives are messy, right? And not just the people that we serve, our lives even. Like I've seen how God's been bringing about healing me, right? By just dealing with difficult people, you know, and I'm sure you guys who are are married, right? It's like interesting walking uh, this life with a Christian wife, right? Who's always right. And always the one, you know, leading you and transforming you more like Christ, you know, <laughs> well, I don't know what that's like, but you know, you're bring coming that- close, bro. You're getting there. Don't, don't give up on that. That's coming. Got the second Holy spirit, you know, <laughs> yeah. Big conviction, you know, you didn't do your laundry. But I mean, it's, it's just like, uh, that's what our lives are like. Like I, I look back even like, I think kids is a good example. Before we had Zeke, our house, we had just like renovated everything. It was like a dump and then we fixed it all up, painted the walls, spent so much time with Burton Cote, painting all the walls. So perfect, multiple coats. And I don't know why we have white walls. And the other day Zeke's just, you know, going to town on the walls with a colored pencil. And I, I was like, I, how can I even be mad at you or frustrated? Like, here, here's some crayons. Here's your table. Let's color over here instead. But it's just like, that. that's what life is like. And, and how, I mean, just the other day, yesterday, I think it was, he fell off the couch and has this big old bruise along the side of his head. That's, that's what life is like. And it's real and it's raw. And it's, it, why is the church different than that? Or pretending to be different from that? Yeah. That's how Zeke worships, man. That's how he worships. Artwork on the wall and, and <laughs> stage diving to show it, show dad who's king. He's been digging in the mud for the past like three days. So nice. Like That's 36 fun. hours digging in the mud. So That's good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Wow. Well, thank you guys for sharing. That's so deep, you know, like just about being honest, the, the nitty gritty things of life. Right. And I think that's why Jesus took 12 disciples and he didn't just put them in a classroom. He walked with them through three years and they did it as like this, this family. They did it as this band of brothers. They walked through life together. He showed them, you know, what it was like to deal with stress, what it was like to deal with criticism, what it was like to deal with rejection, what it was like to, to, you know, to pray and to honor God, you know, to do all these things every day, you know, what it was like to eat. He showed them, you know, the everyday aspects of being a human being. And I think that's what God wants to do for all of us, to show us the everyday aspects of what it's like to, to live. And it's each day. And so, yeah, I don't want to get too bogged down on that. That was just super good, you guys. But let's move on to the next part. We're going to be moving into um, this idea of the, the body having many parts in the church today. And so, Dustin, you want to take this one? Yep. So verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. 
Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We have many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And I, I absolutely love, I, I underline quite a bit in this, uh, over and over when I see these things that God has given us, it's be honest in your evaluation. That was a huge sticking point to me, um, measuring ourselves by the faith God has given us. So I was just thinking of what God's given me. What, what the world needs is more geniuses with humility, and there's so few of us left right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tim. That's so good. <laughs> All right. He does the master. We're not even going to play into that, dude. <laughs> oh. So humility is a oh, How can you even take yourself seriously wearing that <laughs> shirt right now? <laughs> I'm just trying to humble you guys. It's, uh, humility is huge in the kingdom, and, and Jesus teaches over and over about this, that you know, we have to, to take a back seat. We have to be willing to do that. So humility is, is huge. And the more honest we can be with ourselves, the better it is in the long run. That's a, a marriage lesson 101 too. The more honest you can be, the easier it is. So we unfortunately live in this world that would rather put everyone up on the, the pedestal. So we put athletes, we put musicians, we put world leaders on this stage. And we, we take talent, beauty, power, money, success as a measure of being great. Um, all these things can actually make you feel better than you really are. If uh, someone like a famous pop star is up on this stage and they're getting fed with all these compliments and adoration, you can believe that you are greatest. You're maybe the best that's ever been. Uh, I think there are some people that can think of the pop icon of the RIP, Michael Jackson, of being one of the, the best musicians of his time but yet he's so talented and famous but inside he was kind of we see later on down these reports how he was deteriorating inside he had a lot of demons that he was battling with so a lot of us can put on this this front but inside be rotting away on the inside so we have to be honest with ourselves we have to be vulnerable and also willing to let other people start to shine through so what keeps us humble is knowing that well, we, we may have some of these gifts and talents. Uh, the truth is that we have equally as great weaknesses and flaws. So you may be skilled in some areas, but in other areas, you are just dropping everything that you could. You're, that's outweighing it. So honesty is just being open about those weaknesses the same way we are about our strengths. We're willing to go up on a mountain and talk about how great we are, but we won't share and be open of all the weaknesses where we fall short. So uh, we have these reasons for us. We all have strengths, we have weaknesses, and God knows that. That's how God constructed us to be. So then we can find other people with other strengths where we are weak to not only live life with, but they can help complete this whole one body thing that is being talked about. Because I'm weak in some areas, Jeff's strong in other ones. You put us in a room together, we're a equally able to be one of those ultimate transformers to be one of the strongest you can imagine. So uh, we need to rely on other people and use their gifts at the same time. You know, be, so, oh, sorry. I was just going to say that weakness part was not the part I liked most on the uh, Myers-Briggs test. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. It's going to make you super strong, though, seeing the wicket. What are you? A I think that it shows a lot here because in verse 4 it talks about 
we have many body parts and that, you know, we did this Myers-Briggs and it shows how different and how alike some of us are. But what I found out, and I think Dustin, you were saying it earlier, I brought people into my life. I remember seeing Jeff Barnett and Jeremy as young guys, 15, 16, 17, helping me shape my life at 33, 34, 35, because these guys grew up a different lifestyle than I did. And they'd like, you really did that? Why would you do that? And they were questioning my decisions and they were humbling me and teaching me to walk a better path, even at a young age, because they would ask these random questions in my head thought, well, that was cool and that was fun. And they're like, that was stupid. But why would you do that? And so a lot of the a lot of times what Dustin said, you live with other people and they help you learn to be humble. Not always, uh, not always in a very fun way. Sometimes they have to humble you by uh, calling you out and saying, hey, that's not good. That's not right. That's not acceptable. And uh, that's what other people do. And that's why we have different people, multiple parts, but serving one body. I just think it's crazy that you had like a poet constrictor that escaped. And it could have eaten you. You know, it's like you're you're growing this huge snake, and one day it could just like, I don't know, it could like try to eat you, and you lost it. And so, that was like the funniest story. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool, though. You know, but I would be scared. I'd be like, man, like you know, this thing just like one day, you know, on your bed, just crawling beside you. You're like, no. Your but you made, you brought up a great point. I'm gonna kind of do a play audible because I feel like. You know, I do want to talk about weaknesses. I wish I wish social media would show the weakness, not just the best parts of us, but the, the worst parts in our life. Because it, we, all, we, we open it up and we just see all the great highlights of someone's life. And we don't see, you know, maybe the moment when, like on Sunday, when Jeremy and his wife were talking, you know, they messed up and the worship set and they're like kind of talking about it and kind of going through that. But what is the question is, is what does humility look like in your life? That's good. You want to go first, Jeff? I know that's something that is close to your heart. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm not a humble person. I might show it today, but I've taken 17, 18 years of humility training, which is waking up every day and having my selfish, self-centered person beat up so that he doesn't rear his ugly head. And, uh, I believe in humility and I've had to work really hard in it and partly because I read verses like this and say and it shows me that I need to be humble so that I can get the most out of God so for me I, I go back to it you need to have other people in your life God gifted us a woman because she'll tell you exactly how the sermon was exactly how you're looking and what you're thinking and sometimes it hurts and sometimes it's it's right on or all the time it's right on but for me humility is huge uh, so that I can, I think Dustin said it earlier, so that I can experience the fullness of who God is. I need to be in that place and posture of humility so that I can receive more and more of what he has for me. And that's when I grow and am transformed and changed into a likeness that's more pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What does humility look like for you guys in your life? I'll go because I don't think Dustin uh, Dustin has an answer yet. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up what humble means. I don't know this. <laughs> um, for me, it's it's been uh, C.S. Lewis said it, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Um, putting the needs of others above your own, I think, is huge, and it's not always easy to do. And then Barnett, I think you used to have this as a, a quote on your uh, MySpace account, or wow, your MySpace. Whoa, wow. your it's still active, or, by the way. I don't know if it was Tinder or what what it was. 
it was a Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson quote. In my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learn from him. That's good. huge. I can learn. And that's one conversation that, that Jared and I have had many times. That you can learn anything from anybody at any time. And I think that's just having the humility to learn is, is really important. Like, you don't know it all, Jeremy. Like, give it up. So That's good. Yeah. Go ahead, man. Figure something yeah. out. Yeah, can you come up with something? Uh, humility is being willing to take a back seat, to to lift others up, to cheer them on. That doesn't mean you're a doormat for everyone, and you let people take advantage of you. But humility is really caring for other people, serving people, uh, looking out for others' people's needs. It's like the moment you put someone else in front of you, you're kind of taking on this role of a protector or someone that's uh, I don't want to say a cheerleader, but just a confidant, someone that's there alongside you all these times. So uh, I, th- I believe that when we humble ourselves, we're able to see a bigger picture because we're not the first ones looking at everyone else. We get to kind of take a little back row approach, see what's going on, uh, assess the situation and try to serve the best way we can from there. So once we get ourselves out of the focus, we can focus on other people. Yeah. That's you so know, good. one of the guys I learned the most from, do you remember Shadow from the homeless times that we served? This guy named Shadow. I learned so much every time we saw this guy. A lot of times it wasn't good things that were happening to his life. It was horrible. But I remember walking out of there and driving away with somebody going, man, that just rocked me. And I learned and was humbled so many times when I saw this guy Shadow out there on the streets in Ventura. Yeah, you could learn twice as much in, in life if you learn not only from the good, but from the bad, right? And I think that's why the Bible has not only good characters, but they have bad ones. You could learn like, man, I don't want to be like Saul. I don't want to be like, yeah. you know, Jezebel or some of these, or Ahab, some of these characters that, you know, even the good ones like David, he made huge mistakes too. And so, but I think for me in humility, I think, I think it's something uh, Jeff said, it's just kind of realizing that God has put people in our, in our life that are that tell us the truth and only if we're willing to listen to them right it could be a spouse it could be maybe your kids it could be someone in your life that is willing to tell you the truth but it's so hard to want to listen to that and so thank you guys for your answers i think that's sometimes it's so hard opening up about that but i think we all struggle with uh humility but let's move on to our our last section if uh, j-rod you want to read this one yeah i'll read it uh, chapter 12, verse 6, it says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have uh, a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I really appreciate that part of text. And you know what? The interesting thing for me, obviously, we were talking about it before this. This isn't an an exhausted list. There's other gifts and there's other parts in the Bible that show other gifts. But this is some gifts that Paul kind of... Uh, lays out for us in this part of worship and serving and being humble. And sometimes being humble is using your gifts in the way that God has given you. 
And what I've learned is one of these things is has grown in my gift. I originally didn't have great leadership gifts and uh, it's something that I'm growing into and I'm a five or six in leadership and hopefully it'll continue to grow. But I used to test 15 years ago, two or three in leadership because of my thinking and my organizational skills. So God, uh, the Bible says that God will give us gifts and expand the gifts that we need to grow in our lives. And I know that's happened. And a lot of that's been leading a family. I mean, family is the best test of growing your walk and gift in life. But I really love what it says. If you're to speak out in prophecy, speak it out with faith to the Lord. If you're a teacher, teach well. If you're an encourager, do it well. If you're kind, if you're giving, give generously. I mean, it, he really gets into our face about worship and it kind of goes back to the beginning of we're, we're all worshiping by the way that God has gifted us. And I believe I, as I look at these, I have a little bit of all of these and one or two kind of rises up, but I have all of these gifts in some way, shape or form. Some are just like in my personality test, a 66% versus a 12%, but I do have these gifts and I think many of us do as well. So I really love this portion. Yeah, I like it too, because it shows us that, you know, like we did our Myers-Briggs, it shows us we, we all need um, each other and that my strength uh, can be, it can cover your weakness, right? Mm -hmm. And and my your strength can cover uh, my weakness. It's so important. But I want to ask you, uh, for those at home, what, what do you identify with? What gift do you have? Are you the you know, the perceiver, are you the, the server, are you the, the teacher, the exhorter or encourager, the, do you have a gift of leadership or administration? Or are you that compassionate person that just loves to show compassion and love to those in need? And right now, I just want to ask these guys here, what kind of what gift do you identify with and how does that motivate you? Let's hear from you, Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, Originally used to be more on the exhorter side, uh, cheering people on and kind of pushing them into something greater. But lately, I feel that God's bringing out a more administrative role. So I'm able to, I like to organize, which is, if you would have asked my mom that, something totally different. But it's been brought to me now that I actually enjoy organization and leading and also directing other people. So I feel that's the, the main one for me now. Um, for me, I think it's, uh, I like to teach. I like to research, communicate truth. I like to be creative in that, put stories together. I, I love uh, the narrative of the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, and how it applies to our lives and how history has shaped and transformed us. And I think it's really important. I think it's uh, important for people going through daily life to realize that this isn't that much different than what people experienced before and how they walked through that and so like learning is so i think the best teachers are the best learners and so that's what i i identify with i guess is one gift if i have a gift no oh, not, not not kindness no probably <laughs> 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 training um, but Humility is definitely probably the number one uh, spiritual gift I have. So. <laughs> I heard what teachers like teachers love to read multiple books at once. They have like numerous books like laying around the house everywhere. Is that true? Do you read multiple books? You got to yeah, read them though, Dustin. You got to read them though. You can't just this great book. Everyone should uh... put that thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You should, if you're running out of toilet paper, <laughs> my work, 
Um, I'm on page 50 on the toilet paper right now, so it's been good on that one. To answer your question, uh, yeah, I'm at multiple places in the books, uh, but also uh, a lot of TV shows, too, so I learn a lot from TV. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) That's what I tell myself. I uh, my gift has always been exhorter like Dustin was saying I think me and Dustin share that gift but one of the things that has grown in me uh, in the last few years and it was because of this couple the Anglins a long time ago taught me how to give and me and my wife have learned to really become givers and it's not natural for us I remember being married in the first five or six, seven, eight years, every time we would give to the Lord, we would kind of go, man, that's a lot of money. And whatever it was, if it was 10 bucks or 500 bucks, we were thinking about what it could do to help our family. But now as we've grown into it, it's really fun. Just the other day, me and my wife were having this conversation about how much joy she gets out of giving and how much joy I get to see her uh, out of giving. And it's been really fun. So um, we have so many great givers at the church. It's so fun to watch and be a part of that. And that's one, I'm not saying that I'm gifted in that. I'm just growing in that. And just like Dustin was saying, I've grown in this leadership role and it's not really necessarily, I might have a little bit, but I'm more of like a lone wolf leader and God is kind of, is, is gifting me to kind of be an encourager to many and get all of these guys on this panel and other people, Ashley and Tara and, and Matthew and, you know, Kim and all these people that are on staff to grow and be the best they can be. Cause this is really just the beginning of the kingdom for them and serving the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's good. I, I know for me, the gift I identify is like the perceiver, right. And I've kind of learned, I've kind of grown where it's not necessarily being this outspoken prophetic guy that's yelling at people, you know, that's kind of an immature prophetic person. I've realized that this gift is more of a, a gift of intercession of prayer. Like God wants me to discern things and to pray for people and for his kingdom to move forward. And that's kind of been a, a really hard process for me to realize that I get more done through prayer than through trying to tell other people what they're doing is wrong. Right. And that's just uh, something that a lot of perceivers can struggle with. A lot of perceivers are are cynical. You know, a lot of times they leave the church because they see all the problems and they tell it to people, but they don't realize they're supposed to to pray. But I would love for you guys uh, uh, at home. I think we have a link to our uh, journey page where we have uh, you can go to E-New Hope and take a spiritual gifts test. So if you're curious, maybe that piqued your curiosity and you want to find out, hey, what what am I? That's kind of interesting. You can do that as well. But I just want to thank you for being with us. You know, we love your comments. We love uh, the answers to the questions because your feedback helps us. It helps us to grow. It helps us to get to know you and improve the way uh, we serve and love you. I just want to leave with uh, one final word. You guys have one thing, one last thing to share. I'm afraid Jeremy's got something he's laughing the whole time. So I'm ready. Let's hear it, Jeremy. I know it's good. I got nothing. I got nothing so. Not yet. Come back to me. Sorry. Right. My final word is, hey, we're grateful that you guys are tuning in and going through this stay-at-home um, time in your life. And, and I got this random text last night at about 11 o'clock by this lady who's not really a believer And she was talking about this is God doing something and that we're supposed to go through this time and learn a lesson personally. And I was blown away by this lady. First of all, we're really good friends and she has a a limited faith in God, but 
I was just blown away by she saying to me, this is God at work. And I have learned a bunch of uh, lessons about myself being at home and uh, use this time, grow through it, reach out to us, go to the care card, uh, write a prayer request or reach out to us so that we can be a part of your life. We wanna be a part of your life, I know I do. I know that's our gift is we wanna get invested and involved in your life, even if it has to be over Zoom or text or on the phone. So that's my final word. Final word is go get friends. <laughs> uh, we got a chance to live life together. so. Pour into each other, uh, expand your your horizons of people that you normally don't talk to. It's a perfect time to go talk to your neighbors and maybe start to transform their lives or they could start speaking into your lives or whoever's around. It's a perfect time to, to build into your children. So uh, as we talk about being real, being authentic, and all those cool words that Jeremy used, um, <laughs> just... just uh, Really live life with people and make a lasting difference because God's done so much in your life. I'm talking to you that's sitting there watching this right now. I know that he's transformed you in some way. Now it's your chance to go out there and help transform other people in the same way. That's good. Yeah. I'll let Jeremy be last, but uh, for me, what came to my mind is don't neglect the gift that God has given you because it's such a blessing. It's not only for you. God doesn't give us the gifts just for us. He gives it for, for you to bless other people. And don't neglect that. Just because we're in this time doesn't mean that you can't uh, hone that gift. Maybe this is a time where you get to hone that, where you get to discover that, right? Lori, one of the ladies at our church, she's going to use her awesome artistic ability to, on Mother's Day, to, to um, on Zoom, to like, yeah, showcase and teach others this. And it's going to be a great way for um, people and their moms to, to connect. So that's, that's just an amazing way that somebody's using their, their gift. What a great segue to promo stuff, man. Wow, that's gifted. <laughs> I learned from Dustin. He's a master to segue, man. <laughs> Stepping up to the plate. Yep, that's right. That was good. <laughs> Jeremy, you got you working on something? Yeah, I've got something. Um, <laughs> on the side of my house, I, I, I was going to do like the whole story narrative thing that I don't get to do. Uh, it doesn't come across all that well on the camera. But on the side of our house... Um, where the stucco is all messed up because it was patched and cracked by the sun. There's this small little strip of rocks and weeds and we pulled it all out and we planted uh, seven different colored geraniums right there. And they just have, have blossomed and bloomed with new life and new colors. And it's changed the, the scenery and look of the side of the house right there. And Jeremiah 29, it, it talks about blooming where you're planted. And I think that the way that we transform is blooming where we are. And Jeremiah's word, Old Testament right there, is to people who are in exile, who are cut off from their old lives and the, the way that they used to do things. Everything is different now in this new, strange, and foreign place. It's very much like maybe what we're going through right now. But the decision to bloom where you're planted can change and transform you, your life, and your family's life, and the entire community as well. And so I think that would be my, my final word is to bloom where you're planted right now and allow, let God transform you through the process. Two uh, Old Testament reviews in the Romans, Romans chapter 12, huh? That's Interesting. Right. That's I mean, a teacher. That's a teacher for you, right? I mean, yeah. But the, thank whole you time guys. You were, the whole time you were talking about your perceiver gift, he was thinking about Yoda. You know that the whole yeah. time when you were yeah. talking about it. 
perceive yeah, so cool. <laughs> but hey thank you guys for being with us we love you guys we super appreciate you these guys are awesome thank you guys for your time and for your wisdom and and that cute little uh wicked <laughs> may the force be with you all god bless you <laughs> have a good night